This week's podcast brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get your free audiobook download by visiting www.audibletrial.com slash WDS to choose from over 85,000 titles for your iPod or MP3 player. Please. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Doug from Hoobastank. Hi, this is Josie Loren. Hi, this is John Bon Jovi. And I'm Richie Sambor. Hello. I'm Tommy Lee. Hi, this is Molly Bryant. This is Alicia Witt. Hey, this is Jennifer Love Hewitt. Hey, what's up? This is Kelly Clarkson. Hi, this is Julie Mann. Hello, I'm Phil Collins. Hi, this is Brandy, the winner of The Apprentice. Hi, this is Chelsea Hobbs. Hey, this is Lindsay Lohan. Hi, this is Joy Nordenstrom of Joy of Romance, Inc. This is Alec Baldwin. Hi, this is Christina from Survivor Redemption Island. Hi, I'm Holly Jorgensen, creator of Make It or Break It, and you are listening to What Do They Say? Did you hear... Did you hear? 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 What do they say? Now you get to hear what Duvet has to say. Hello again, everybody. You are listening to the official podcast of the What Duvet Said Cultural Entertainment Digest, found at whatduvaysaid.com. I am your host, Jason Duplissy, coming at you from Duvet Studios West in the Hollywood Hills of Los Angeles, California. And joining me, as always, is the man who is his own gasifier, your host, (laughs) Robert Bob Duvet, coming to you from the kitchen of podcasting, Duvet Studios North. Mm. For now, podcasting to you from the bottom of my heart, Jason. Oh, all the way down there? All the way down. I'm a mean one. No, I kind of feel like uh, you ever remember when a ki- when you were a kid and you would take spoonfuls of sugar and sprinkle them on your cereal, yes. and then when you'd eat the cereal, when you'd get to the bottom of it, like there would be sort of this milky scoop of sugar. It didn't really st- stick to the cereal; it just all sank to the bottom. Yes, that's what I feel like the bottom of your heart is. It's sort of a milky, sugary <laughs> bottom. <laughs> all right, I'll go with that. <laughs> Good. What do you think Rob's heart is like, listeners? <laughs> Let us know. Send Weigh us an email. <laughs> Send us an email at whatduvaysaid at gmail.com because your emails mean so much. Find us on Facebook. I haven't even checked our Facebook page for a while, Rob, because I want to be pleasantly surprised next time I log on. Our numbers are consistent. Excellent. You can join in on our consistency by searching for What Duvet Said on the box there. Find us on Mevio, Mevio.WhatDuvetSaid.com or WhatDuvetSaid.Mevio.com or something like that. Rogue 2 Podcast. I think we're even out there in the uh, the illegal downloads. So try to find us there if you're, if you're really excited. Or you can... Illegally download us, listeners. As an act of defiance. <laughs> exactly. Make sure that uh, our audible spots get out there illegally. Or you can give us a phone call. Rob, is there a phone number that people can call currently in the 415 area code? There is. There is indeed. I like I like your 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 teasing this out. 415-937-0445. That's 415-937-0445. Operator is standing by. Nice. Excellent. I am teasing it out and I'm going to continue to tease it out because I was wondering if we have any guests today. You know, actually, this is going to be a really interesting show for you, Jason. I like one that's interesting for me because most of the time I'm just. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You're just you're just towing the line, the company line, just collecting <laughs> that WDS paycheck. That's right. That's right. Who's um, our guest? Yeah, you know, Reba was able to get yours truly, Bob Duvet, to be a guest on the show today. Whoa! Interviewed. I I told her I want to be interviewed by my favorite interviewer. 
Yeah. Mr. Jason the Plissy. Wow. Well, that'll be exciting. You get to interview me. I hope you're prepared. Um, I'm not. Let me put on a kettle <laughs> so I can <laughs> get some tea ready. And uh, I'll, 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 I'll prep some questions. That sounds pretty That's exciting. That's how H.L. Mencken does it. First step, put on a kettle. <laughs> Big time. Wow. Okay. Well, that'll be exciting. I'm, I'm excited to talk with Bob Duvet. Heck, what, what are we waiting for? Why don't I start the interview right now? That's, it's pretty much all we got. So, yeah, let's, let's really make this, make this in-depth. So, uh, you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't do a show last week. Um, we're, we're, these are more like uh, special edition shows nowadays. They are. It's kind of like, items. yeah. Um, but so, what what what's kept you busy since last we talked, Rob? I know what it's kept me busy. Ooh, maybe I'll have to interview you in the second half of our show. <laughs> what have you been up to, Rob? Um, well, you know, just a, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, a pining, a lot of hoping, a lot of uh, praying, and, uh, and and dream realization. I've been I've been working a bit, but mostly. We've been trying to orchestrate a cross-country move, and I think it's oh, safe to say the cat's out of the bag. Yours truly, Bob Duvet, will be moving to the Big Apple. To Gotham. Gotham. Wow. Look at you. Gotham. Uh, yeah. Well, because I always had a city envy when it came with you. Like, it was all, you know, you're always like, Mr. Hollywood Hills of California, Los Angeles, fake boobs. And I was like, you know what? This is uh this won't stand. This aggression won't stand. I need my own metropolis. Um, I don't remember the fake boobs part, but the oh, re- uh, was that I'm projecting. I think maybe I edit that out. Now, coming at you from the Hollywood <laughs> Hills, Los Angeles, California, with fake boobs. <laughs> uh well that uh, you know, so I remember we had a conversation once when you first moved out to San Francisco. Uh you, you used to Is this the interview? Well, okay, sure. You used to live in New York. Rob, you used to live in New York. And then you moved out to San Francisco. And I remember when you first moved there, you had a bit of a complaint that you couldn't quite coalesce into a a perfect kind of encapsulation of your feeling about the difference between New York and San Francisco. And what I said to you is when you look on a globe, which people don't do anymore, back back in the old days, there were three-dimensional plastic globes that you would stand and spin around and look at. And if you look at a globe, New York has, is in large, bold font with a big black dot next to it. And San Francisco's in a little bit of a smaller font with not as large of a dot next to it. And it used to bother me when I was a kid because I always thought that, you know, hey, I live in San Francisco. But truly, New York is a, is a larger, bustling metropolis than San Francisco is just by its size and what goes on there. It, it really deserves a larger font. And you stopped me and said, Exactly. San Francisco is a smaller font. <laughs> I stand by that. Then <laughs> <laughs> you need to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a bigger font. You need to be a even small, a smaller fish in a bigger bowl, right? Exactly. Exactly. Font, small fish, this is all <laughs> getting to the core of my needs. Um, you know... Here's there's a couple funny things I've noticed. I I've have been pining for the East Coast for some time now, you know, and I feel like I have a legitimate gripe when it when it comes to this. Here's invariably what happens, Jason. Maybe you've you've received a bit of this. Mm-hmm. We live we grew up someplace that was infinitely beautiful, right? Oh yeah, yeah, lovely. The Bay Area is really one of the 
uh, prettiest settings for a, a city, and uh, it, it's a great area. There's lots of things to do, lots of uh, unique to Northern California and only Northern California stuff. But I grew up out here, as as did you. Yes. And the the city for me, San Francisco, was the the big you know the emerald that would twinkled in the distance and we would run run there as soon as we were able as soon as we got cars and and go to the city and it held an allure for me and i lived most of my you know impressionable years there my my late teens my early 20s but when i got a taste and i got a chance to travel and particularly the first time i went to new york city it had a profound effect on me and what seemed very scary and distant all of a sudden seemed less so when I was able to visit. And then it just really boiled down to it just felt comfortable. It felt like where I was meant to be. Uh-huh. Go on. And unfortunately, <laughs> uh, for people that still live in the area and love this area, you know, if you, if you, this, you get this kind of pushback where there'll, there'll be people will say things like, Ah, New York, you're from here. This is where you're from. This is the most beautiful city in the world. Yeah, you're not from there. You're from here. As if it's like a death sentence. Wherever you're born, that's where you have to, you know, spend the entirety of your life and, and shrivel up and die. And I said no. And then I begged my wife to move us out there. Okay. Um, I've actually, just last night we were playing cards, as I always do on uh, Wednesday nights. And I, I like put it out. Consistency. Yeah, I put it out to the group there. I, I, I actually spilled the beans for you, told a, you. told a couple of people. One of them actually knew, you know, um, or had an, an inkling. Uh, and so he was the one I was most specifically talking to. So I said, I give until probably June 15th before Rob starts complaining about living in New York. What do you, what do you think the odds are? <laughs> what do you think the over-under is on that? I think you're probably right. Um I think uh, complaining about where you live, though, is just part of it. I've listened to this show, and uh, you do a fair amount of complaining about Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Nobody says to you, like, well, then stop. Don't live there then, Jason, if you don't like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, if anything, I'm the one saying that to myself. I, um, I've been moving around the city for the past uh, nine years now. I've moved to three different places, and my last place, as much as I enjoyed, I... I really wanted to get out of here and this there and this place where I am now is uh, such a, a vast improvement over where I was before, but I still have the sort of city around me and I have this illusion that if I went to somewhere else that for some reason I would be, um, I'd be more at peace. You know, of course the common denominator in each of these living situations is always me. I'm the one that's there, so until I can shift how I'm happy in my own home, then I will be, you know, home is wherever I am. That's that sort of thing. Um, but even so, I, there's, this, there's this show on uh, one of the history channels called How the States Got Their Shapes, not a sponsor. Interesting. And I enjoy the show because it's it's historical and informational to a certain degree, which actually describes why the states are shaped the way they're shaped. Uh, but it's also sort of a human interest kind of real people sort of uh, show where they hang out with people uh, across the country. And I get to look at and see these places where normally I wouldn't go. So if I get a bee in my bonnet thinking, wow, if I just went to Kansas where there was vast cornfields and slow life and easygoing or Montana 
where there's six people for every 300 square miles or whatever, then I would be, uh, I could just be, oh, I could drive where I wanted to and wouldn't be stuck in traffic and all these horrible things that bother me about the city I could get away from. And I watch the show and I see the people interviewed on it and I think, God, I would hate to live next to that person. What an asshole that guy is. I mean, can you imagine I, I think... picking up and moving to where there's nobody around and you got to live next to that guy? Yeah, right. I mean, at least, you know, it, the more the more atoms bouncing off of you, you're bound to, you know, you know, connect with a couple of them, you know. But if you're if your pickings are slim to begin with, you're kind of stuck with what's in the drawer. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I've i got a bit of wanderlust. And I, uh, interestingly, I kind of feel like eventually my, my journey will lead me back up to Northern California. And that's actually where I feel most comfortable. Of course, I picked up and left Northern California when I was 18. I've lived in Los Angeles for longer than I lived in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm, as much as I, people say that's where I'm from, uh, I've I really set down roots here. I asked somebody once, I said, do you, do you think of me more as a North Carol uh, Northern California person or as a Los Angeles person? I think of myself more North Carolina, uh, North, North California, Northern California. And the person said, oh, you got a bit of LA in you. And I took offense to that. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, up yours. <laughs> I'm not Los See, Angeles. I'd be but... the opposite. That would be like a flattering, uh, comment. If somebody said, Oh, you know, yeah, you, you, you seem like you're from LA because, I feel like LA is just cooler somehow. <laughs> it's, I, I suppose. I think the what I discovered, and I think that I discovered when I when you talk about traveling, and I'm going to tie this back into what it is we're talking about now, is when I went to uh, London in uh, 2000. It was a while ago, the turn of the century. I was in London, where I should say they are listening to us on Rogue Two podcast. Yeah, well, I I really loved London. Talk about that feeling that you said when you went to New York and you suddenly felt like you were there. When I was in London, I felt at home. I went, I could be here. This feels right to me. I'm loving London. I loved London. And if I could, if I could afford it for one thing, uh, but if I get up and live in London, I would be, I feel like I, that, that's my speed. That's my town. Those are my people. London, London, London. But I think also what I discovered about London is that it's about three years in the future. <laughs> right? Like Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I went there, Everybody was walking around with cell phones up to their ears. Constantly, everywhere you went, people were talking on cell phones. And there was so much so that they even had a statue on a street corner, the sort of bronze statue of someone standing and talking on their cell phone. It had been such a part of the culture for so long that they'd actually already made it part of history by enshrining it in bronze. And it, was not, it wasn't anything that I'd ever seen in, in L.A. And I was like, oh, my God, look at that. Everybody's on their phone. Of course, now that's what's happening. And a lot of things that I saw in London... Uh, came to be several years later here in the United States. So uh, I, 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 I feel you mean that like that... the Beatles? <laughs> yes, that. But I also feel like that happens here in the United States, that the coasts, yeah. Los Angeles and, uh, and New York, are several years ahead of the interior. I mean, sometimes several decades ahead of the interior when you look at something like Montana which is still shooting guns and and carrying rifles to ward off uh, people trying to steal their cattle and things like that. I mean, it's really wild. Which we, which we love here at the What Do They Said show. 
Uh, well, um, again, please. keep listening. I would love that. Again, that's another thing that I feel like I would love. Somewhere in the past, somewhere in the future, <laughs> anywhere but right now, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but don't well, you feel I, that? I agree with you. Absolutely. I think uh, when I was living out in New York the first time, I would notice, you know, come back for a visit and fashion trends, for instance, that I was seeing all over New York were not, were, were not here. And then when we moved back, that trend that I was experiencing or seeing, you know, some three years ago would all of a sudden start popping up and then become ubiquitous out here in San Francisco. And it took that long for it to really, you know, take hold and take foot. Like it's almost like, you know, it, it, people are, 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 you know, they have to wait for it to kind of arrive on their shores. And I want to be on the shores where the stuff is created. Right. And New York is absolutely where it is. Also, and it might just be a like a, a mental thing, but there is really something about waking up at eight o'clock in the morning in New York and it's still being five o'clock in, in, in California. That feels like you really you really are ahead of your time in New York. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I've. Well, thanks, Rob. <laughs> I like this. Very, very keen insight. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm very excited. As, as to the complaining, I have uh, a, an agreement with my wife that I am not allowed to complain about New York in her presence. Um, okay. But uh, I will complain about it to you, dear listeners. Okay, good. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a show. This is kind of a... We would not have a show. That's the thing. Or I... you don't even have a life at that point if you can't complain about the things you love. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And you're like some good... weird automaton. Is that a word? Sure. Automaton. It's as big as a word as a ubiquitous is. You know, you're not if you're no, if you don't if you don't hate something with as much vigor as you love something, then it's it's not worth uh, it's not worth the damn. Amen, brother. So that so, brings. So... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that actually brings me to something that I I both hated and loved equally based on a conversation that we had on our last program Ooh. is that the day after this is two weeks ago, uh, the day okay. after uh, our last show on Thursday, starting on that Friday uh, and then all through the following Saturday night into Sunday morning, I watched the entire first season of The Colony straight ah, through. Hence the gasifier reference. What do you think? <laughs> Well, you know, funny because I was all set and ready to talk about it last week, but we didn't talk, and now it's been like two weeks, so I sort of have to bring myself back in. I've, have you watched the entire first season? I watched both seasons that are available, the first season and the second season. So, okay, yes. well, I, I haven't watched the second season yet because I was okay. going to wait to talk with you about it, and I, I actually started watching the second season right after I finished the first season, and I kind of needed a break. I kind of needed to – I was really yeah, – it's, it's a heavy show. Yeah, and I was really attached to the the cast of the first show, and I I was kind of and and the setting and all that, and then moving into New Orleans and having this all sort of different stuff, I, it was it, it was a little jarring. I needed a little break uh, because I was so yeah. Used yeah to I, the... I think I don't know that you'll like the second season as much as the first season because it, it it did boil down to cast issues for me. But maybe take a whack at describing better than I did what the colony is. The Colony is a post, like you said, it's a post-apocalyptic reality show. It's basically a build show, 
which is what they have on the Discovery Channel all the time. And when I say by build show, you tune into the Discovery Channel and like the Mythbusters go, we're going to make this uh, thing. And then they show the blueprints, blueprint, blueprint, blueprint. And then you watch them in the shop with saws and cut things and then they build it and then they execute it. That's, that's a pretty standard show on the Discovery Channel, the build show. And then there's also a reality show where you take a, a bunch of strangers, put them in an extraordinary situation, and quote-unquote see how they react in, in a real-life situation. Uh, and that's what the colony is. The, 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 the conceit of it is that some sort of unexplained horrible catastrophe has happened, and they get 10 people, I think, of varying backgrounds yeah. and varying skills, and they dump them in an empty warehouse in downtown Los Angeles. with Which uh, looks post-apocalyptic already. Yeah, it it really does. Uh, although that's another part of my love-hate part of that, which I'll get to, and I really want to talk with mm. you about that. Uh, Perfect. And they, they basically put them with a, a bunch of uh, uh, items in, the ha- in, in this warehouse as if they've tumbled across basically a treasure chest of hidden things in this warehouse that they then have to use to survive. Uh, and then they, the producers throw some curves at them. They have uh, the, these bad guys come by. They're called marauders who try to steal stuff from them. Uh, they allow them to go out of the house and down to the L.A. River to get water. Uh, but basically what they do is every week they have a challenge. And when I say a challenge, I mean like there's they're about to run out of water. So they need to figure out how to get water or they're about to run out of uh, battery power from car batteries that they stole. So they need to come up with a way to generate power and they then show the blueprint and they build the thing. And that's kind of how it goes. Would you say that's a pretty fair summary of how it yes. happens? Yeah, I would say, though, just so people get a, 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 um, a clear idea, they this is reality in, in hardship along the lines of a survivor. Where I truly believe these people were, like, very hungry, and it was they weren't given a lot other than their wits and what was around them to kind of forge an existence because um, – it's it's not like there's a comfy it's not like it's comfy living it's dirty it seems like the possibility for injury is very real oh yeah and there were absolutely injuries in it and they they yeah. when i say they were dropped off into a warehouse i mean it, it really is this nasty dirty warehouse that they're dropped in on and rob's absolutely right like they had to like pull out box springs you know that there were box springs at this warehouse in the first place is a bit suspicious, yeah. but you never really know. Yeah. I mean, it could have been an abandoned place where some homeless people, and they do also later on in the series say that somebody quote unquote used to live there. So it mm-hmm. may have been some abandoned place that people had brought things in, in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they weren't given any water or any, uh, they, they were allowed at the beginning to run through an abandoned, uh, uh, department store and get up cans of foods and things like that. But I'm absolutely positive that when they ran out of a can of food, there uh, it didn't magically appear in the no. warehouse for them to get what worthwhile stuff. They they kept calling it the experiment in the show. Um, ah, did, did you notice that the, as part of the experiment? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, the, 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 the voiceover people. Yeah, the voiceover people would say, as part of the experiment, we're going to have this group of Christians walking down the river and see how they react to that. Um, 
And I okay, so here we'll go. Th- do you want to go through the things I loved about the show and then the things I hated about the show, or do do we just want to go back and forth? <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's let's uh, keep order. Love hate. Okay, I love. I totally got sucked into the show, as you said. Like I, I I needed to watch it from start to finish. It was like devouring a great novel. I really wanted to find out what happened. And as much as I didn't like some of the people and or none of them really were great characters except for that in the first series the crazy haired scientist guy who came up with the yeah, gas he's pretty amazing right amazing the dude came yeah. up with a way to make to make solar panels follow the sun <laughs> yeah i know he that's where immediately I would I questioned what my value would be to a colony were I in the same situation. Mm. Cuz yeah. I wouldn't I would not have that ability or many of those abilities to construct things. I think I, you know, maybe keeping things light. Yeah, but maybe I mean I do that. That's sort of what gave what it kind of turned me off in the at the in the first couple uh I watched the first before the first commercial break in the second series is like here's a uh-huh. model and here's a this person and here's and none of them were the the kind of skilled folk that they had in the first series now which granted, is more accurate though if you think about it let's say a, an apocalypse befell me here in San Francisco or later in New York or and you down in Los Angeles more than likely models and, and actors and people like yourself is going to be who you're going to be kind of tossed in a colony with unless a, you know, uh, a, what, what's that guy we're talking about? He's a computer engineer. Yeah. he was. And an then engineer. there's a aerospace engineer too, isn't there? There's all these people with amazing credentials and backgrounds. Right. Well, he was, he was really the driving force of the show for me, him. And then the, the dude, Mike, who, yeah, who was the construction where he was sort of the our friend John of the group who could kind of make anything out of which everything. is very necessary. I'm realizing in, in, in this post apocalypse environment, you need you need a contractor. Oh, big time. And he was he, he was amazing because he was giving up smoking and coffee and booze and like angry and really into it. Yeah. the whole time. <laughs> it's like, wow, dude. But, you know, the, then there's like someone like a marine biologist. It's like, what's she doing there? And then the pretty blonde. It's yeah. like, well, I guess she's there to be the pretty blonde. Uh, she was a nurse. I know she was a nurse, but she didn't really do much, really, except for change yeah. her clothes a lot. Um, and get dressed up for odd reasons. Yeah, but I, 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 I like I fell asleep. I watched him up until like two o'clock in the morning, and there was two episodes left. But I, I just had to go to sleep, so I got up on Sunday morning and watched it. But I was dreaming of them and and have and being caught up in the idea of it, uh, and really concerned about how them getting out of there and like how they're going to get out of there. It really grabbed me kind of in the way that The Stand or uh, or any of these other post-apocalyptic survivor things happen the book of eli the, the book of eli with a soundtrack by a friend of mine actually oh nice yeah there you go um and the other thing before i move into my problems with the show was that um it really gave me an idea of how easy we have it <laughs> you know and how quickly things would fall apart if we didn't have um you know, I have an example. Last night we went out to our, our regular place, Caps Corner. Not a sponsor, should be. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting in the building, you know, just hang, hanging out, having some beers, chatting with some folks. And the power went out uh, only to the building. 
you know, which is a apartment buildings above and a restaurant below. And a lot of this has happened in our building here at du- Duvet West East. Where am I? North. Northwest. Um, Duvet North. <laughs> and it, it's because um, the grids that are installed in the building aren't, um, you know, don't have enough power for people to be running computers all the time and there's a business downstairs below us that has a bunch of computers and it sucks the power and then we would have our fuse go go out and that's what happened and it was funny because it's not that big a deal right you know so you you light a few candles you sit in the the, uh, you know a darker environment and you sip your beer and you know that's that's that you had people running all around the bar going, oh my god what's going on what's going on Ugh. what happened to the lights are the lights out the whole bunch how come they have power people like inside kind of losing their mind a bit and then of course the people in the building started like inquiring like why did the power go out blah 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 and then you know, pg&e came out but imagine that writ large where it happened across you know an entire city mm. how quickly that would devolve into like oh my god where's the power to hey Maybe we can break into somebody's shit and steal it. Right. You know, and I think that's what it captured really well. How quick, how fragile, like you're saying, our, uh, you know, our, our, our survival is. It made me think that, uh, like, I have some things stashed away in case of an earthquake or a dirty bomb emergency or whatever. You know, I have some nice. canned food and some water and some flashlights and some batteries and a, a radio, that kind of stuff that I could get by with. But I I realized that I don't have anything to cook anything on or any fuel. Um, I have some mm-hmm. propane for a lantern. But, I mean, if things things went south, I would just be eating cold <clears throat> cold chili out of a can. I have nothing to heat anything up with, and I have nothing to heat uh, heat water up with. So I was like, you know, I go camping. I should go get a Coleman stove. They're 30 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever. That would be a worthwhile investment. But the other thing that I would think I would need was a double-barreled shotgun. <laughs> oh, totally, right? You know? to keep people away from your shit. Yeah, totally. You know, and I don't know I, I, because it's just going to happen that way. The, the the they put in the show these marauders, which are these act, paid actors riding around on motorcycles who came by and banged on the door. Like how well dressed the marauders were. Did you ever notice? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. They had like really, like they had like really like really kind of nice like designer jeans on, and their shoes were very like you know unscuffed and. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you'll if you if you go back and look, you'll notice that the Marauders aren't nearly as ratty as the the other people that are you know trying to survive. Well, because they've marauded and they've got the best stuff, you know. Yeah, it's true. Maybe they went and marauded uh, one of them uh, Ed, Ed, Ed Hardy stores and got themselves some T-shirts. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I this is sort of shifting into what bothered me about the show it, is that it required such an extraordinary suspension of disbelief. Like I really had to do a lot of work on that show to mm-hmm. to buy into the premise because if dudes come by banging on the doors like in real life, quote unquote, they would have busted in and, yeah. you know, rounded them up and, you know, caused problems. It would have been like every other post-apocalyptic movie we see where the bad guys come in and then... The you know the good guy has to figure out how to survive as they're picked off one by one and then the guy rises victorious. Uh-huh. But with this group of people, very clearly, if bad dudes came in, you know they would have been slaughtered. <laughs> you know I would have been in yeah. that group of people who are slaughtered. Whether you build a flamethrower or not, um, th- they're going to have problems. Like those, the, the, there's a group of guys who come by to trade goods. 
Yes. And they come in with these these rifles slung across them, and the colonists, the people in the colony, have nothing. So what's to stop these people? I mean, what's the point of of yeah I mean, of just mowing them all down and taking all their shit and yeah. having more to trade? Right. Exactly. Well, they were they were good businessmen. Well, but no, that's they, why they... You know, that's a that's short term thinking, Jason. <laughs> they just killed off potential trading partners. I guess, but they, I, 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 you know, it. The the suspension of disbelief for me kept going out the window because uh, if I'm in a situation on a television show, I mean, there's 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 cameras around. You're wearing mic packs. You have to get rewired when your mic pack goes bad i mean there's people around you at all times you're never not aware that this isn't being filmed for a television show right and Mm -hmm. if i'm sitting and i'm genuinely being starved i really need to ration out my water i'm really sleeping in my own filth i really can't flush the toilet Mm -hmm. there's really no toilet paper there's really a limited amount of food that i'm surviving on and as part of the experiment some dudes come by and knock on the door and say hey can we have some food I know I'm supposed to participate as if it's a real life situation, but the reality of the situation is I am starving and that's yes. just an actor who's going to go back home tonight who's just got a day job. trailer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm not going to give him food, you know? That's really the reality. So that that kind of quandary that the people have and talk about in the show, it's like, well, we need to give them they they're they're starving. Look, there's children with them. No. No, no, no. I would be the first person saying, "No. <laughs> this is what's happening. That's not what's happening." And things like there, there's this part where the incredible scientist guy, I got to say, anybody should watch this show just to watch this incredible scientist, um, John, he he creates this Tesla coil to generate electricity to broadcast a Morse code signal over the AM radio band. So that amazing, right? Yeah. (laughs) So that uh, that would be so low on my priority list of things that I could pull off. I I couldn't. I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even occur to me. But he's broadcasting an SOS signal on the AM radio band just in case anybody hears it. And then the there's a girl in there who's who's built this other coiled wire thing where she can go through the AM radio band and listen back to hear if anyone's responding to her. Which is a, a fantastic post-apocalyptic idea, which absolutely 100% does not work in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> because if she's listening through every AM radio band, she's going to get every AM radio station that's broadcasting in Los Angeles. Because it's not really the post-apocalypse. I didn't understand that. Like, what was she listening to? No, I'm not getting anything. Yes, you are. You're getting KFI and the Spanish station. You're getting everything. <laughs> Uh, I think, though, by and large, it's fairly easy to get sucked into that world, their world. Oh, I guess. But again, I the I guess. But I, I just saw so much of the producer's hand in it. And I saw so much of them holding back and not actually being as it would be in the real situation, uh, especially with the people coming knocking on the door. Um, the other thing that oh, was whenever I heard the phrase in the warehouse like they they they're there's a part later on in the show where they're 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 going to do a recognizance mission to see if they can plan an escape route to get out of the warehouse because supplies are running low and they want to escape to shangri-la or some other better place 
So one of the people in the colony decides that they're going to rig this uh, camera, this digital camera up and float it up into the air so they can view around to see what's going on outside, which is, again, a completely asinine idea, because as soon as they float it up there, they're going to see a bunch of, you know, a bunch of trucks and workers and yeah. people living. People eat people. People eating, uh, you know, having lunch uh, on the you know the side of the road next to the trailer. Yeah, exactly. The the production crew that's that's two blocks away. <laughs> but what drove me crazy about that was not that, but that the narrator shows the one of the colonists sitting and reading a book, and the narrator says, "Jill is reading up on airships on a book on airships she found in the warehouse," and I'm like, "You've <laughs> got to be kidding me." You seriously want me to believe that the producers had the foresight before it to put in a book about airships in there <laughs> before it started. But, you know, like it was always that happened a lot in that show. They're, they're, they're going to get attacked by marauders using a big net that they found in the warehouse. A big net? <laughs> like where was that net before? A lot of times things came up like later on in the series that they found in the warehouse that I was like, wow, that sure would have been handy uh, at the beginning of the episode, you know, up at the beginning of the series. Episode five, the guy who went crazy and decided to stay behind said, yeah, they're standing on the roof. They said, oh, look, there's some solar panels right across the building, right across the street. And I saw some solar panels on the way here. Really? You, you mean in the three weeks that you've been staying here and working on battery power and building a gasifier to 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 create a generator that you had to, or the, the one that you had to trade with the guys with the guns, none of you ever went, hey, what about those solar panels <laughs> right across the street? Uh, 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 uh. Uh, yeah, but it's still a good show. Interesting show. <laughs> it is an interesting show. And uh, uh, I, I recommend it. And I, 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 I bring this up because we were talking about you got to love what you love what, the thing as much as you hate the thing. And I love the colony as much as I hated it. And as much as I hated all of that stuff, they're reading a book about airships. Please. When was the last time you ever saw a book about airships? <laughs> uh, but I, I just could. I, I, I loved it. And I, I couldn't get enough of wanting more of that, which is why I didn't start watching the second series right away. I, I actually downloaded and listened to it. If you go to the Colony Wikipedia page, there's an audio interview with that guy, John, the scientist guy. Who talks, oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting listen. He does a lot of talking, uh, and a lot of it is just sort of recapping of what happened, but he does give some insight as, as, as to what was happening there and, and answers some of the questions uh, that are to on top of people's minds about, about what it's like to live in the colony. I, I think the second season, while not as maybe strong as the first season, is interesting. Like, I didn't initially like the people as much, and they're quite honestly not as... Uh, you know, technically gifted when it, you know, they're not like engineers and stuff like that. Mm. So it's a little bit more realistic in the, uh, the grouping of people, you know, right. You get like a teacher, a model, you get, you know, a guy who does construction, somebody else, you know, it's not quite the neuro, a neuroscientist and, uh, you know, a plastic surgeon. <laughs> right. And, but, yeah, I don't think I fare well in a post-apocalyptic environment because I really just don't have much to offer. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also what I was saying earlier as far as uh, we really have it easy, it pisses me off how easy we have it and how hard everybody makes it. 
<laughs> right now when yeah. things are so yeah. easy it's like dude it's so easy to stop at that stop sign and not be a dick about it but you're going to be a dick about it so you know mm -hmm. you're exactly the type of person who's going to be an asshole when the apocalypse comes because you're going to be driving through stop signs because hey fuck it there's nobody around now fuck it <laughs> yes good show watch the colony folks not a sponsor not a sponsor but available in its entirety on netflix uh and i thought it was available in its entirety on the discovery channel uh website which it's not because uh, i started watching it that way and it was just clips which was irritating that is irritating uh so speaking of irritating uh did you watch survivor this week I did. I, I'm, I'm a little tired today because I got home and then I watched Survivor and um, got to bed late. But it was irritating in, in, in so many ways. But one, that guy Colton is irritating yeah. and it's about him mostly. And two, nothing really happened in the episode. Right. It was like a challenge. Then he got sick and then he, they – I hate those episodes when somebody doesn't get kicked off. You know, they don't have a tribal council and all that stuff. Yeah, it was all very uneventful and seemed kind of slapdash. The I should have known something was wrong when that challenge went on forever, the bouncing the ball. Mm. And I was just like, wow, this they were spending a lot of time on this challenge. Um, that chick, Alicia, who dresses like Cavewoman. Uh, yes. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> She's so annoying. God, how mean are were her and colton to your girl christina oh they were terrible they were absolutely terrible and i kind of i i sort of have to hand it to christina for for like saying i'm just gonna sit back and everyone's going to see how horrible they are i don't know if how well that worked in the tribe because it seems to me that the people on her tribe are dumb dumbs anyway so i don't think yeah. they even know she must they i mean i don't think she's liked you know if if people can be that mean to you and then other people let them get away with it, it's kind of like, wow, you must really not be that well liked. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, I really, and I really don't see what's, what, what there is to dislike about Christina. Um, I mean, even if I didn't find her pretty, which is part of the reason I'm quite fond of Christina watching her walk around in her underwears. Um, but e even if that weren't the case, I'd be like, what, what's so irritating about her? Like why is she? What bother, What do you see that's bothersome about her? Well, maybe she's like a know-it-all. I'm looking at her website right here, uh, Christina Cha. Yeah. And it's funny because it appears as if, I mean, I think they list her. What's her occupation? She's a career consultant. Yeah. But now I'm on her website, and all it is is sexy pictures of her and headshots and bathing suit shots so clearly she's trying to parlay the survivor experience into being what like a, a celebrity or something right mm. uh, well okay i think they're all actors and actresses to some point do you think that alicia isn't an actress i thought she was a i guess not i guess she is who knows i don't know i it starts to feel less yeah if that's the case then i'm i'm survivor is even lamer than it probably is already if they're all just actors well i'm sure they're all just struggling actors or actors that are not all of them but most of them are are interested in being on television and doing so the the, the applicants at least are people who are are auditioning and trying to be on television 
uh, you know. You know, it's funny. So I'm on her website and she has all these professionally taken, you know, headshot type pictures. And then there's this one picture of her in a bathing suit where she's standing next to a guy, you know, and the guy's just cropped out. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like she must have been like, oh, I got to put this one up. I look great in this bathing suit. Lose the dude. So do you think that the Christina backlash are the people who are there playing the game and look at her like she's just here to be on TV and that's what irritates them about her? Well, here's her, what, what her bio says. Silly, sassy, sexy, creative, and spontaneously fun. You really don't know what to expect from this fiery, modern-day, Asian-American girl. Christina Chaw is the freshest face in, telev in television personality. Currently... She is a contestant on CBS hit competitive show Survivor. So yeah, clearly she's a writer, a TV personality slash host, a consultant, social media hustler, and the ultimate networker. So she's just a, maybe she's just a climber, and that's what people don't like. Okay. I guess. I, I, I guess I just sort of give her the benefit of the doubt because even if you are if she is working that hard at, at trying to be successful at whatever it is she's trying to be successful in uh then mm -hmm. you know uh, do whatever you can and if she were irritating like I, I was thinking about russell you remember russell the great villain russell yes of yes. survivor i the lex luther of our of the modern age exactly or like lex luther for example i love lex luther or russell on the show because even though they're the bad guys they're villains they're evil they're they're playing the game and they are so good at it that you kind of got to cheer them on because even though Russell would sit and be arrogant, he was right <laughs> about his arrogance. Yeah. And he was right about what he was saying about the people. I mean, he was a jerk about it and he could, probably could have, uh, you know, couched it a different way. It. Yeah, he could have finessed it, but yeah. he really played the game well. He was, he was honest about what he was doing. He, was, he owned up to being an asshole and he was honest about it, but he was good at it. Colton is an asshole and he's not playing the game well for him to stand there and scream at Christina for not running back at the challenge and then to sort of pansy up and be terrible at the challenge as well. He and Alicia uh, were Probst was saying, Alicia, my nephew can do better than this in the thing. But here he is screaming uh -huh. about how horrible uh, Christina is. And he's they show him lying like uh, like uh, Dionysus in the in the shelter with his head being stroked by Alicia and saying, honey, you're just throw yourself in the fire. You're terrible. You don't do anything. She's awful. I hate her. She's awful. And he doesn't do anything. He doesn't contribute to the, the what I see. He doesn't contribute to the camp. He doesn't play the game. He just is sort of bitchy and, and points people that he wants to go away because of uh, bitchy reasons. And he yeah, doesn't contribute. idol, I guess, which gave him the power. But he didn't have any power if anyone voted him out because he he was so arrogant that he would have been voted out because he wouldn't have played the idol. Um, so, again, back to Christina's defense. She may not be the best player in the game. She might not be the best at challenges, and she might not be playing the the hard game that uh, is to win Survivor. But I don't see her being... I don't see her being lousy. I don't see her being a, a bad person, you know. And if that's what people have against her, then I don't. I don't see it. So, yeah. And who cares really if she is a bad person or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christina, from Bob Duvet's mouth to your ears, who cares? <laughs> we want you on the show, though.
So yeah, come on, come on, Christina, come on to the show, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking because of the Rob show, Rob doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the show, so the show is going to continue even in the face of my intrepid cross-country move. Yeah, sure. I mean, it might be a little different. Like this week, we didn't have any news. No, we didn't. <laughs> this week is uh, just a week for us to chat. This kind of goes actually to the essence of our origin or origin of this show. It was you and I just chatting. Yeah. Not even so... trying to entertain, per se. I don't even feel like I've particularly entertained anybody this week. <laughs> I think we got in a couple of funny things. You know, maybe. Oh, yeah, you know, a couple. Because we, you know, that's just who we are. But it wasn't... Listen, listeners, there's going to be more effort and less effort to entertain you over the coming weeks. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, Should since we... we're we're just chatting this week then, do you want to touch yeah. on the Celebrity Apprentice? Sure. What the hell? It's a chat. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't even remember what happened. This. Oh, it was the Lou Ferrigno viral video episode. It was. You know what's so funny is like, they were saying at one point in that that we're they were like going, oh, everybody's gonna whenever somebody has a search for Lou Ferrigno, it's gonna come up with him doing this crazy dance with this O-Cedar mop. And I'm like, who the hell searches for Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> yeah, totally. And was that I love the viral video tasks because the the whole concept of creating a viral video, uh. I don't know. It just seems like so ridiculous. Isn't a viral video something that you call after it happens? Like you don't make one. You It becomes one that you then call yeah, it yeah. afterwards. It's well, like now, saying... Now, though, the, the advertising agencies... Now that is a strategy, right? We have to have a viral video. So it is something that's created, I think. I, I think very few things are designed to go viral without the, like, you know, the hand of God influencing it. I guess, but I still feel like it's saying, all right, this week your task is to create a Super Bowl ring winning quarterback. Like, well, uh, okay. How do you, okay. You can't actually do that until that happens. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Well, and, and all, all they were doing is just doing a commercial. Yeah, and it was so much a commercial. The Lou Ferrigno dancing in the background was just a commercial. I thought the girls one had a little bit more viral video to it because it was just something that some looked like someone would click on, something Aubrey O'Day's age would click on. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. <laughs> I loved that when, D, in, when they were watching. The men watched the girls in the boardroom because the, they lost the task, so they are getting talked about by Donald Trump whether someone's going to get fired or not and the men get to watch on the TV screen and Arsenio says oh hold on Aubrey O'Day's about to say something <laughs> D. Snyder says yeah probably probably about herself <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny because you know those celebrities that they have assembled I mean we're not saying very few are A-list caliber yeah. Say with the exception of Penn Gillette, um, I'm, I'm at a loss for who else. Might, maybe Lisa Lampanelli, who's very popular now. Yeah, but I, no, no, nobody really is on the the height of their popularity. They're all on the decline. Right, and I the the well, I think Penn Gillette's still pretty popular, but I would say that the I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago is that. 
when Whitney Houston died or when Michael Jackson died, like my uh, daughter and my parents know who Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson are, right? Like I can remember when my, uh, my, my, my entire family came down to go to Disneyland one weekend and we got up in the morning. I was staying at the hotel with them and I went to the little uh, lobby there to get the continental breakfast and the TV was on and Richard Pryor had just died. And I walked into the bedroom and I turned to my sister and I said, well, Richard Pryor just died. And my mom went, oh, Richard Pryor died? Oh. Like I went, really? Mom, you care that Richard Pryor died? You know, that is a celebrity. Right. I think if I told my mom Penn Jillette's on Celebrity Apprentice, she would say, who's Penn Jillette? Even though he's huge in the community of people who like him and know who he is, or Lisa Lampanelli is huge in the community of people who like him and know who she is. They don't really gut out of that that bubble. I think of all the people on the show, surprisingly, the person that most people know of is Clay Aiken. Yeah. He's easy now, yeah. He, I'd say he's probably a, a pretty popular guy. Who knows? He's sure got mad at Penn Jillette for being Who smart. Who cares? <laughs> Clay, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> he did get mad at Penn Jillette for being smart. Yeah, which I thought was funny. The whole Is that uh, a bad thing now, to be smart? And, you know, he was, he was mad at Penn Jillette for what he was calling being patronizing for Lou. But it looked to me that Penn Jillette was explaining slowly something to Lou Ferrigno because Lou Ferrigno is deaf. And he needs to talk slowly and articulate and look right at Lou Ferrigno to explain to him that the hero in a commercial is just a term that advertisers use. It doesn't mean dress up like a superhero, which is what Lou yeah, Ferrigno yeah. thought it meant. <laughs> Lou, they're not booing. They're saying Lou, <laughs> Lou, 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 Lou. I will say this about the Celebrity Apprentice, though, that I I I watch it on on tape delay. I watched it on my DVR, uh, and I I I began watching it about half an hour after it started, and my Directv said. Oh, sorry, you don't get this channel right now. We know it's a problem. Don't call. Just switch to your standard definition uh, version of this channel. We'll get the problem solved shortly. And that was about 20 minutes worth of me fast-forwarding through. So I missed the first 20 minutes. And when I came in, it was right as Clay Aiken was arguing with uh, Pendulette or t calling out Pendulette. Then I went to commercial, and I went, uh, I don't feel like watching this. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think... It, it... Yeah, it, it, it's a show that I watch with kind of one eye right now. I don't. It's not that interesting. Yeah, and it's not that uninteresting. So it's somewhere in the middle. It's not the colony. It is not the colony. Uh, I'm glad you watched the colony. What was that? Yeah, and I think I'll watch so a... the colony. Should we? Uh, should we talk about this weekend and wrap it up? Okay. Yeah. What you got going on this weekend? Well, let's see. Oh. Big weekend, actually. Well, Friday we're going to go to the Fillmore, see a band called Lucero. Very looking forward to that. My wife has a uh, a deep crush on the singer. It's uh, it's. I'm almost a little worried mm. if, if she actually gets the opportunity to meet him. You know, will will we be going home together? Tune in next week, listeners. <laughs> oh, do you give her a pass for that sort of thing? I mean, is there a sort of a indecent proposal discussion that you guys have had about that? I don't 
think we've had that discussion. I think in theory that that works out nice, you know. But in in, in like I've mentioned before, it's uh, yeah. I don't know if I I want her to have that luxury, even if it means I in turn would receive a luxury item. <laughs> right. Okay. Just but uh, so we're gonna do that. Go see some music. That's always fun. And then. I, who never drive, am renting a car and driving up to Folsom to go uh, visit my family. Oh, wow. Look at you. Yeah. I know. Beware, I'm, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, I know. What? Stay off the roads. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that Ford Focus. So this is actually a good time to have the visit because uh, we will be leaving very uh, shortly, the end of May. So it's an opportunity for me to get together with my entire family. My brother's coming down from Vancouver. My sister already lives up there in Folsom. My parents are coming up from Palm Springs, and we are joining them. And so it'll be a big, a great opportunity to see everybody, get everybody together, take some good pictures, and uh, you know. Yeah, and then cut it. all ties and leave. That's it. That's all they get. That's all they get. Wow, that means uh, you won't be up there. I think two weeks after you leave, there's a bit of a, 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 a fake reunion barbecue thing happening up in. You, so you Santa. saw that? Are you, were you planning on going to that? I think I'm planning on going. I feel like it sort of happened because of me. In fact, Ron, the organizer, said, I'm going to do this because you said. So I sort of feel like it's up to me. Ah, um, nice. You get to organize it without having to organize it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, again, making the trip up. There's always a like a, 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 a ulterior motive for me to head up to the Bay Area. Um, I like that about you. Yeah, and um, I'm... Uh, I'm a little exhausted with the drive at the moment. And yeah, it's, that's it, a long it, one. I don't know how you do that. I'm 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 already exhausted contemplating my two hour drive. Yeah, yeah. So like, how do I break this up into two days? Right, exactly. I'd love to see uh, the people, and I'd love to see them all in one place. I also just I wonder about the barbecue aspect of it, like all the family and friends hanging out. Like as much as I'd love to see Ron, don't know if I really want to hang with his kids. Well, you know, but that makes it easier for more people, I think, to show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. I know, I know. (laughs) I know. But it looks like this is going to cast a bigger net than your basic reunion. It's going to be anybody who knows anybody that got that message. Yeah, well, that was part of the thing that I originally uh, put out there on the Facebook was that I the, I love reunions, but I only get to see people from my year, and I hung out with people who weren't in my year. In fact, most of my friends weren't even in my graduating year. So when I go to the reunion, I, I'm I, I it's not quite as fun to me. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I will miss that. That's why I haven't responded. Because I was waiting. I've been in the state of perpetual limbo regarding this move for a long time. So I didn't want to jinx it by, you know. So now that we are going to be back there, um, I'll, maybe I'll throw an, an alternate reunion out in New York. Hey, everybody, come out to New York for this great <laughs> reunion I'm throwing. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? This weekend, I might be going to go see Molly Bryant, friend of the show, Molly Bryant, who's performing ah, with her indeed. full band on Friday night. I may be doing that. I may not be doing that. I've seen Molly a lot, and she always puts on a good show. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoy going to see her. I'm a fan of her music, and I'm a fan of her, so I do enjoy going to see it. Um, but I, I feel like I it hasn't been long enough since the last time I saw her. You know. So. Ah, yes. 
So I might need to hold off on that. Um, so there's that. Uh, and she, the, the last show I saw her, she was so great that it would be hard for me to, um, hard for her to top that last show. So I'd, I'd want it to be as big as the show as the last one she did, which was at the House of Blues, which was really phenomenal. And she put on a spectacular fair enough, show. Fair enough. Uh, but so I may or may not be doing that. Saturday, I've actually, um, on the advice of my friend Lily, decided to expand my um, social... Uh, my social because I don't have enough friends. <laughs> ah, uh, I'm gonna go to. I joined this website called Meetup, not a sponsor. Um, okay, which uh, people just create meetings. Like I, we're Game of Thrones fans, and we will set a time, and uh, people who want to come come sit around, and we'll talk about Game of Thrones for an hour. And it's just, you know, any dude or any person can say, I'm creating a meeting. Uh, this, these are my interests. I like Tolkien and butterflies and fly fishing. And Who doesn't? Uh, right? In that order? People who like that come meet up with me once the first Saturday of every month, and we'll talk about Tolkien and butterflies and fly fishing. So is that what you pitched throughout there into the, the meetup universe? Well, I'm, yeah, Tolkien, butterflies, fly fishing. No, uh, I looked for creative writing and authors and novelists in the uh, Los oh. Angeles area uh, to sort of be in a group of people who write and I could bounce ideas off of. And really, the, the impetus was this was friend of the show, Alicia Witt. Um, mm -hmm. She belongs to a songwriting group who, and I think every week, I, I think is what it is, but it might be every month, it, I think. But every week she needs to write a new song or she's kicked out of the group. So it just gets her wow. writing every single week. She's 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 constantly doing it because she's got this sort of deadline. And I feel like if I were in a group that imposed deadlines or I had people to impress or something that I needed to come in with that was, uh, uh, you know, I had a deadline, then I, I would get yeah. more work done on my book. So I found one that's two blocks away from me, uh, Saturday at noon. And uh, people have posted things they've written on the meetup site so that we can read the first chapter of the book. So when we show up, we have something to talk about. I guess this is the second time this group is meeting and the first time they didn't really have a direction. Uh, so we, I read the stuff. It made me feel a whole lot better about my writing reading okay that's always good what other people were writing but it also kind of gave me pause wondering if this is a group of people that will uh that will be beneficial to me or if i will be more helpful to them than them to me that i could sit and say you need to do this uh, here's how story writing works you know that i could be instructive to them which is helpful to me in that i like to serve uh, but it's not helpful to me in that I want I actually want someone to kick me in my ass and give me constructive criticism yeah, of the book. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you gotta you gotta go and find out, I guess. Right? Yeah, there, you, there could be some very keen insight, or it could be nothing that you know, of value. Right. So I'm gonna find that out on Saturday and Sunday, which I normally don't do anything. I'm actually going on a road trip down to Hacienda Heights to visit a uh, a Zen temple. Ooh, yeah, God, nice one. Yeah, it actually was in not this episode of The Amazing Race, but the last series of The Amazing Race. They started the race at this temple. Uh, okay. And I saw it and I went, wow, that's I want to visit that. That looks really, you know, looks like something to do. So I'm, I'm grabbing a couple of friends and we're going to drive down to Hacienda Heights and have their vegetarian brunch and take the tour of the uh, Sulai Temple in Hacienda Heights. 
Nice. Yeah, you are. Yeah, That's I am. exactly what you're gonna do. And then I'm gonna watch Mad Men. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think that'll be good. Right. And then I'll watch Make It or Break It on Monday. Matt, make it or break it. Very excited. Yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Well, yep. Let's break this show up right now. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I'm, I'm, I, I feel the need to uh, get food inside me and, and start, start the day. Yep. I'm with you. I got Enough it. of this tomfoolery. All right. Very good. Well, thanks. Uh, not sure when we'll see you next, but when we do, it'll be next time. Next time. Can you tell me what the day said? Audible hopes you have enjoyed this program. Upon a time, New York City.